You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And Harry Potter, I was just, I was done. Maybe it had gotten to the point where I was like, I. I'm not going to book this. I haven't booked anything I've gone on in the last six months, nine months. It had been a year and a half since my last Broadway show. And I was like, okay, uh, fine. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do the work. I love Harry Potter. I love, I think this is brilliant. I think the script is brilliant. I think I'm just going to do the work. That's it. And, um, so I went in and I was like, there's no way I'm going to book this. And I, I did the work and I came in and just did the work to the best of my ability. Hey, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. It's me, Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage an online training program that helps actors to train like athletes. Actors are athletes, so start training like one. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com, fill out your name and your email, and we'll be on our way with that. Okay, we have an exciting guest for you. As always, Built for the Stage fam in the house, James Snyder, who plays Harry Potter in Harry Potter in the Cursed Child on Broadway. We're so hyped to uh, be chatting with him today. So welcome to the podcast, James. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Uh, A little bit different setup for us today. This is our second video chat that we've had on Bill for the Stage podcast. Um, One was with an actor that was on tour. And now uh, James is not on tour, but we all are socially distancing during this crazy time of the coronavirus. Um, So we are doing a chat on Zoom our unofficial sponsor that will be calling us right after this to sponsor Bill for the Stage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, thanks so much for taking the time to just chat with me during these crazy times. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I'm social distancing myself from my sanity. Right. Um, Things like this have really been helping me out though, is just communicating and talking with friends and and family for sure. Um, So times like these, make us realize how much we kind of, we need each other. We need that social interaction. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think my wife just last night, she was just, I, you know, we just, every once in a while you just hit those walls and, and realizing this might go on for a, a long time and not being able to see family, my grandparents, her grandma, uh, they're 89. And it's just like, you know, you don't have that much time. Time is precious. And this is like, 
so clearly. Um, it just, I, it puts just so immediate how, how the immediacy of just wanting to spend time with people and, and be there and connect, especially family. Part of me was like, oh, if I didn't know it was going to be this long, I probably would have picked up and, you know, gone to my parents' house or something like that. Just to have another set of people, you know, around that are family that, you know, make it. Instead, we don't even, you know, we don't even hang out with our neighbors. We shouldn't hang out with our neighbors. You know, it's like, you want to just, you know, be there, but it's, uh, uh, it's tough, man. And I, I think we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. All right. Well, talk to me a little bit about your current show that you're in and we'll soon be, uh, reconnecting with. Um, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. I just keep saying that. Like I have such an amazing job to go back to. I'm, I'm playing Harry Potter and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And, uh, it's the most spectacular play I've ever seen. And certainly the biggest you know, show I've been in, it's like the highest grossing play in the history of ever. And, um, uh, the most award, I mean, it's like all of these impressive things, but at, at the end, and at the end of the day, everybody's heard of Harry Potter. He's like, like one in 12 people on the planet own a Harry Potter book. I bet that's gone up, um, since all this has started. Um, so, so it's, it's one of those things where, I'm so fortunate to be able to go back to a job I love and with people that I love. We were about to start our year three cast. So we had a year two cast. They, they go sort of by classes. And um, year three was about to do uh, on their first day. It was going to be like the 16th of March. And on the 12th, they were like, okay, uh, see you guys later. We had just finished teching the show with the entire cast. And... Um, the entire new cast and they were like, great. Okay. We're done teching. Go home. We'll let you know when we're coming back. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of one of those things. I feel really bad for the kids who the people who were making their Broadway debuts or who were just jonesing to, to, to step up. And also like I, it's weird. I never got to have a final show with certain people. Like, you know, you, you prepare at the end of a run, you sort of prepare for that last show where you're like, everything gets to be super precious and heightened because there's that the emotional, you know, size of of saying goodbye to the people that you've been working with for over a year, and yeah, I never really got to have that last show with, you know, uh, uh, John Roberts and and Nicholas Padani and Bubba White. Like all, there were so many people that I just never got to have those last moments with uh, on stage, and so in a weird way, it's 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 sucks and in a cool way it's almost poetic that sometimes something's too precious to get that precious about it and so um uh, you mentioned that one in 12 people are known to have a harry potter book so the iconic nature of the character is definitely there um globally did you feel any pressure going into the show to almost stay exactly true to who people know from the movies and book or did playing the adult version of Harry kind of give you a bit of freedom mentally to kind of explore who you feel Harry Potter is or was? Yeah. Having, you know, 19 years in between the, the beginning or 17 or I can't, 19 years um, between the, the two stories gave me a lot of room because I, I was grown up. And then I also, you just have to trust that they, the director and the casting director and J.K. Rowling herself, who had to help make the decision, like all 
know what they're doing. You know? <laughs> it's like, what's crazy is my, my uncle happened to be in town and we were riding down an elevator in, in a hotel. I was just he- heading out and my uncle was so proud of me. And he was like, some people got in and he's like, hey, does he look like a famous person to you? And I've never gotten this in my entire life. And the, the, the one woman, the mom was like, he looks like Daniel Radcliffe. And I was like, I've never gotten that before. And so it was sort of like one of those things where we were, I was in the midst of rehearsal. Um, also, like, I, I think I, I tried to approach the whole thing in trusting that I was enough and I could do I, just my general vibe is very similar to Harry Potter and what, and my, and Daniel Radcliffe and, or whatever. And so I, I was like, I just need to get out of the way and just, just try and be invisible. James, it should be invisible. So that meant just focusing, listening, you know, uh, digging into backstory. Luckily I've got had seven books of backstory um, to, to base, you know, to, to, I mean, when do you get to work on a show where you've got, Literally, I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours of films, plus pages and pages and pages, thousands of pages of books of backstory. Um, so I made sure I read the books. And then at the end of the day, I put on the wig, which I have a wig and the glasses and the scar. And I went, oh, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm telling you, you could dress my, my cat up in the outfit and you'd be like, Oh my God, that's Harry Potter. <laughs> I actually don't have a cat either, but you get my point. Well, that's great. Thanks for giving us a little bit of that insight. Um, <laughs> when, uh, when you're in such a role that is iconic like this and the play has done so well, do you feel what I'm getting at is the fan base of Harry Potter is at another level. So <laughs> just you saying like, 17 years later and then you're like oh wait 19 years later there's like that little pressure of like everyone knows this story in person to the t like i better be be on this like are there any uh certain things in the show that you tried to really make sure that you were spot on uh with what the character truly is known for uh well i'm luckily i'm a fan of fandom if that makes any sense. Like I love it when people love things and I love stepping into that world and just, just um, maybe it's cause I love star Wars so much or uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons that that are, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings, like anything with that much of a universe, like give me another universe so I can play and learn things about people and the way people are connected. Like all of, all of that sort of research is super fun to me. It's like, I like being a, a sort of an, an imaginary world genealogist in a sense. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was a little intimidating. I, I get really offended when people say they don't like, it's not canon or I don't like the play. Like there are these super fans that, that have issue with certain elements. Um, and it drives me crazy because they're like, well, you know, his wand's not, that's not the wand. The one in the movie was this. And you're like, you do understand that the movie was based on the books and the play is based on the books. And the play is a play written by a very, very good playwright who's prolific in his own right. And um, so it just sort of, it, it, I get super defensive now. <laughs> People 
like, this didn't make sense. And this, and you're like, well, yes. But when you're looking at something this immense, you have to understand the process to put something like this together. Um, And the sheer fact that it was mounted at all and, and that it's as tremendous as it is, as it's spectacular as it is, is a miracle in and of itself. Mm. We've seen a lot more money spent for a lot less bang for, for the buck. So, um, you know, I, I try and ignore the, the haters, if you will. Um, but it's all I can do sometimes on Twitter to just be like, go, go suck an egg. Like, <laughs> go suck a dragon egg. Um, you know, cause, cause it's just like, ah, yeah, give me a break. But, um, at the end of the day, like I go to work and I'm an actor and I've been an actor for a really long time and I really, really love this story. Yeah. Um, I liked something you said earlier about you're enough when you were prepping for the role. Um, and I tell that to my clients a lot, whether it's about fitness or, their career in acting of like, you have to realize that you're enough, you're worth it. Um, what other times in your career, cause your career has been amazing. Um, you know, you didn't come into this like, uh, a couple of years ago, you've been at this a while and continually having success. What kind of lessons have you learned along the way? Maybe it is the lesson of you're enough, or maybe it was a failure. What were some like, highlights in your timeline that really created you um, as who you are today as an, as a performer? I think that that you are enough thing is still strangely present. Like, like just, it's one of the biggest battles I have that I still do, like still deal with is like, uh, am I enough? Uh, I, you know, I, I, had a lot of success, like right out of college doing TV and film stuff. I was in LA and I was just like, Oh, I'm going to book a guest star this month. And I would like, I think back to that kind of thing. I had no clue, but it it was also like the height of the WB, like Gilmore girls and all that stuff. So I'm 20 and all of these young, you know, it's like, I'm exactly what they need. It's just like, you know, that the, the young kid, you know, so it's like I, I had all this Young, handsome, good looking kid. Ah, go on, go on. But I, I came out and I booked Crybaby, um, and uh, which was my first Broadway show, and I was playing Crybaby. I may I interject because not only is Harry Potter filled with crazy fans, but like Crybaby is like one of those cult movies that like there's a special breed of fans that just obsess over that movie. Yeah. Yeah. They, it, I don't know if it quite like those fans intersected with Broadway necessarily <laughs> or short run. Yeah. I don't know if they made the trip out to New York city to see it. Yeah. That, might, that might've been the problem. Maybe they need to go on tour. Maybe they did. Was there a national tour of Crybaby? No, it was, it was, uh, there was an, ec- an, an economic drop. It was right when the uh, economy tanked in 2008. Oh, they were two, I think they were like two to four cities shy of being able to put together, I think, a non-ec tour. I think they were aiming for a non-ec. Yeah. On equity tour, uh, non-union, which is cheaper for them to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it, it didn't hit the markets like they were hoping because it really wasn't that big of a commercial success. Really quickly, um, 
uh, we lost the the composer of that um, was Adam Schlesinger, uh, who passed away from COVID related um, issues, which is crazy. At like 53, 52, 53, like prolific. He was working on, well, he had done a bunch of stuff for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and um, uh, was working on The Bedwetter with... Uh, uh, Sarah Silverman, like he, he had, he had his hand in so many things. He was just so prolific and so brilliant and so kind. Um, it's, that's still one, one person that I just keep uh, just probably three times a day, just go like ah, this, this stupid, this virus, like, I'm just like, it's just like, I'm, it's, uh, it sucks, man. So that was sort of one of those things where, where it just kind of came out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. I did. I derailed us. I apologize. So you come out of college. You, I, I love the, I want to say that like, it wasn't that you were naive. Maybe you were naive in saying like, I'm going to book this guest. Uh, yeah. And you did. I think a part of it is, I believe speaking it into the universe. Like I am who I say I am. I'm going to do what I say I do. And then a lot of the times yeah. it follows. Yeah, that's the craziest thing too, is like, so I did, uh, if then opposite Adina Menzel and, um, that sort of really shot me forward in a huge way because her amazing fan base sort of, I took a liking to me cause I'm, I'm a goofball, I think. And, uh, so that, that really helped me realize I needed to be in New York given what I do. And but I think it just gave me the confidence because me stepping into a musical theater room, room audition is much different than stepping into a, um, like a, a film thing. Cause I, for some oh, reason, that was one of my, that was one of my questions, not to interrupt. That was one of my questions I had for you. So yeah, please um, just kind of riff on that with how do you prepare differently from the movie to the TV, to the play yeah. musical theater? Well, Talk it's, I, I think with TV and film, uh, versus stage, you know, I, I, I had a teacher that would always say it's a being conversation versus a doing conversation. I think on camera in film, um, there's a certain level of making the, the people come to you. So it's about being and that thought and that conviction, uh, within oneself, but not doing anything too much with it because then you're putting a little too much extra hot sauce on it um, as opposed to uh, theater where it's like you you have to make those choices and do the and take the actions to get to that in in a in a different way in a a bit more of an outward way and I, I think I realized like just me given how I am and how I like to work I was like oh this is this is where I feel comfortable in the doing of things because I think, and this is where it lines up with Harry Potter, is Harry Potter's a fixer. He's a doer. He's a Gryffindor. And I'm very much that same way. I also just love to sing. So for me, um, musical theater auditions have so much more material usually. Also, like think about how many things you've got where you're like 32 pages of sides. Like you're going into audition for five different things, you know, five different roles and something. And you've got to have the three songs and the this, and then you do like one scene and one song. And, and yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But um, I'm sure you had a ton of music for In Transit to learn well that yeah i mean that was crazy was but luckily i i worked with kathleen marshall and um so and was a huge acapella nerd in college i was in the socal vocals at the university of southern california talk about another time when fandoms didn't quite meet up i was like everyone loves acapella right like aren't all these college kids are going to come and see it they didn't um but uh yeah so so it's just really at the end of the day, it's about doing the work no matter what it requires. And you'll see the, the, the dividends and realizing that the work is the thing. Um, with Harry Potter, I had a month to study for Draco Malfoy and I did the work. And then I got there and I did Draco's scenes. They're like, great, thanks. And I left and they're like, we're going to have you come back for Harry Potter. And I had two days to study for that. So I, I buried myself in my basement. Basically, it was like, babe, I need to focus and really do this. And what's crazy is my audition right before that was for Waitress the Musical um, to do the Pometer, Dr. Pometer role. And I had worked my ass off on it and tanked it. Like, uh, I, I mean, I, want, I was like, I'm perfect for this. I want this, blah, blah, blah. And Harry Potter, I was just, I was done. Maybe it had gotten to the point where I was like, I, I'm not going to book this. I haven't booked anything I've gone on in the last six months, nine months. It had been a year and a half since my last Broadway show. And I was like, okay, uh, fine. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do the work. I love Harry Potter. I, lo- I think this is brilliant. I think the script is brilliant. I think I'm just going to do the work. That's it. And um, so I went in and I was like, there's no way I'm going to book this. And I, I did the work and I came in and just did the work to the best of my ability and was like, that's it. And I left it all on the, on the, on the stage or on the floor of that, uh, of that rehearsal room and was like, okay, I don't think I booked it. Like they were so nice. They were like, Oh, you, that was, I talked to the director. I did each scene once. That was it. There were a million people in the room. I was on camera and it's like, that was, that was great. Thank you so much. I was like, great. I talked a little bit about what books I had read and talked about my kids a little bit. And then I left. It took like five minutes. And I was like, no. And Jim Carnahan came out and was, was he said, I, I think he liked it. I think they really liked it. Like I've been sitting there. Yeah, I think they liked it. That was, was good. I was like, oh, okay, well, at least I did my best. And I left. And three weeks later, I booked Harry Potter. It was crazy. Like, it was one of those cases of I, it didn't matter if I was enough because the work was the thing. So 
I got over that enough conversation, which could have been my downfall. And, uh, and rather than that, I did the work. It didn't matter if I was enough. And luckily, uh, and this is something I battled with, but even with Harry Potter, when you asked taking over this role, I, if I do, it doesn't matter if I'm a good actor. I have the job. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm a good actor. I, okay, maybe I'm the worst actor. Sometimes I'll feel like the shittiest actor on the planet. And I'll be on this stage. And I'm like, I'm a joke. I'm a terrible actor. Okay. And then, and then it's like, so what? So you have to do your job now. So do your job. And that's it. You know, and so, and my job is to be up there to be relaxed, to listen, to, to not, to not have that ego and to hit, do what I rehearse, tell the story. That's my job, you know? Not so much. So with battling that imposter syndrome, it's not so much about what you are, a good or a bad actor, but it's why you're supposed to be up there and your whys was you explaining what your role was to play with your colleagues on stage, what you were supposed to fulfill up there, not judging what you are. Are you good? Are you bad? Are you what I think I should be? Like, you know what I mean? That's just, it's a should, you know? And I, and, and, um, you know, I think that's one of, one of my biggest issues. Like I know, you know, uh, Maslow, uh, Abraham Maslow, who's a big positive psychology guy. He says what one can be, one must be. He doesn't say what one can be, one should be. And I realize I like exist in this, should world sometimes that that really really doesn't serve me so i walk into a, in a film audition in los angeles and adrian grenier's there or whatever and i'm like oh i should go home that's what i should do mm-hmm. um and and i think of all the things that i should have done today or over the last year oh i don't have the six pack i don't have this i don't have that you know and i'm not as good looking as these people and really that doesn't matter my my job my job is to be authentic and tell a story. And that's it, you know. Can you tell us a little bit more about those six to nine months that you were in that dry spell and, and how you overcame it or didn't? Maybe you were you had some failures and slip-ups um, along the way where you just kind of got off track. Um, I think it'd be highly beneficial for a lot of our listeners, especially in times like now, of you know how you approached those six to nine months of just having the well be dry. Yeah. Um, I'm really lucky. My wife is sort of like that, that foundation, that rock that sort of, I mean, keeps us going financially in, in, in these, in these dry spells. And then, you know, being a dad sort of gives a, a, a larger purpose for me. You know, it was like all of a sudden, even earlier in my career, uh, when my son was just a young, like a newborn, my wife would be working and I wasn't working. And it's like, yeah, I had a shitty audition, but I finished the day knowing that I was a great dad. And that sort of put a lot of stuff in perspective of like, it just made me feel like a human and not just a weird actor. And so I think for me, it's, it's about realizing that I'm a lot more than the jobs I have or don't have and trying to stay focused on on that and and setting setting goals uh is super important too where um i mean i was working on the house a lot but it was like great i'm gonna meditate i'm uh you know three times a week i'm gonna work out three times a week 
I'm going to read X, Y, and Z. I'm going to work on my voice. You know, it was, I sort of made my list of bare minimums to be like, these are my bare minimum goals for every single day. Um, and then if I hit them, great, boom, I hit my bare minimum. And I know that I'm taking a, even a tiny step forward. And if I don't, I plan my day and say next week, next tomorrow, I planned. Now, I'm not, I didn't say to myself, I'm going to crush it. I said, here's how I'm going to crush it. Yeah. Oh, boom. 8 a.m. This is the thing I'm not doing right now, to be honest, is like, ah, I should put it into my calendar. Put it into my calendar. Set my alarm for 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Go. And that's done. And then you do it every day. It's easier for me to do something every day than something three times a week, I realized. Yeah. Yeah. Once you become habitual with the activity or what it, whatever it is you're doing, it gets ingrained in you as being a neutral state. As humans, the body, we want to remain um, neutral and safe. That's like our caveman instinctive uh, behavior to not change, to be, you know, in this safe spot. And when you push yourself and go against that grain, I talk about this a lot in fitness, for that two, three week, maybe a month period, going against the grain, it starts to smooth out. And then it becomes neutral, then it becomes normal, and it becomes safe. And that's when you start to turn a corner on on implementing good habits that stick. Um, And I love what you said there about just like, having a specific schedule and, and how you're going to do it. Okay. What you're going to do. Cool. But how are you going to do it specifically? And I love what you said about you were a good dad or you were, um, you know, doing things with your family in those times you were a human. I always preach on try to be a person that does theater as opposed to a theater person. Um, so I really loved you, you saying that and sharing that. We have a couple questions here. Um, we're on Zoom uh, for those of you listening on Built for the Stage podcast. Um, one of them is uh, we're in this quarantine phase and they're asking, Kelly's asking uh, if you picked up any hobbies. What I want to talk about hobby-wise, though, I want to kind of half answer for you. You started this a little bit before the quarantine. Can you talk to us about your amazing TikTok game? Can you talk um- which I've, dude, I'm failing at it. I always, because I, we, we need you now more than ever on TikTok. It's because I don't have anybody. I'm like, I, I immediately was like, oh, I've got Jana, and I've got all these people around me that are brilliant and are, are inspiring. And, uh, and then I'm like, oh, it's just me. I'm going to dance around, do a bunch of stupid dances. Yeah. Um, uh, TikTok game, man. What's, what's uh, your favorite? What's your favorite one you've done so far? The, the wow, you can really dance. I mean, it's like come. I, I I knew it was like hilarious. That's the thing is like you just. That's why it's a dream job that I was doing. Was like I get to do goofy things backstage with people that I love, and then step on and tell a story that's like epic and gorgeous and beautiful and touching and spectacular and all that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, maybe I was looking a little too much without, uh, without myself, you know, uh, and I need to look within, um, you know, I was looking outward and, and uh, all right. All right. I'm going to do a TikTok. 
I'm going to do a TikTok tomorrow. Yeah. And get it back on. We're going to see what we can do. I just posted, I have a, a liaison TikTok master down in Texas. She sometimes puts on my uh, bill for the stage apparel and does a TikTok. And uh, she uh, sneezes. And then there's that um, recording of the guy saying, coronavirus. <laughs> and her, yeah. her dog is right next to her. And she somehow video dubbed her dog to automatically get this face mask over the dog's face. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll, I'll have to uh, hire you as an independent contract to be a good artist. Sold. Uh, another person asked about your trajectory on the show of, of the, your emotional scope and journey on a essentially six hour long show. N- not only are you going through a, um, an emotional journey in one show, a show, but it's technically two shows. So talk to us about like your approach um, creating this character and story of how you plan to go from who Harry was at the start of this play, part one, all the way to the end of part two. Um, uh, you, you treat every scene like it's, I, I don't think about the trajectory. We've, you know, we have 15 weeks of rehearsal. So for me, it was, you, you take it bit by bit, you take it, scene by scene. What am I doing in this scene? You know, what am I accomplishing? And then you trust that the things and the way we've rehearsed it um, is enough, is, is the right thing to show the little pieces um, throughout of either Harry's growth or his downfall, the direction that he's going and the, the things that I hold on to and the things that I say that connect to other scenes also. So it's just knowing those those mile markers that are important to hit um, and then trusting the, uh, the trusting the, the, um, the script does that, that work for you in a lot of ways too. And rehearsal did that. So um, just like in memorizing it, I took it, I took it scene by scene and I, I, I do my best to not know where I'm going next. Mm. Trust the words and trust the rehearsal that was laid in there, which informs the thoughts that I have, which inform the action, which inform the, the emotion. I love that. It's, I, I love to parallel things to fitness on here, um, of course, but it's mm-hmm. like when I first start with a client and they give me their goals and their goals are, you know, going to be uh, achieved a year or two years down the road or whatever, but you can't look at that. You have to trust the coach who's writing the program or in your case, the playwright writing the script and you have to trust that the text or the fitness program day by day, line by line, scene by scene is going to take you to that end goal. So what I'm getting from you is just, just be where you're supposed to be at that time and uh, respond to what's been given to you. And as long as you're in that moment and responding, you will continue to just slingshot your way and bounce your way from one moment to the next until you're finally at that, that end moment. So, and that's the same with fitness. You can't be like, Oh, you know, I want to get there right now. You got to take it session by session and, uh, and just, yeah, take it bit by bit. Last question for you. Looks like someone, they really want to know how you started acting, how you got into acting. Yeah. So I was in high school. Like I was always a ham. 
I sang and liked to take the stage at talent shows and stuff. And then in high school, I auditioned for the musical in the spring. I played soccer in the fall, auditioned for the musical in the spring. It was Godspell. I ended up playing Jesus in Godspell my freshman year. So, so that was like, oh, that's cool. And then eventually around my junior year, I realized I could go to school for theater. I had no idea. Like it didn't even occur to me that like theater was a major. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be. And, and, and then eventually I auditioned for some programs around the United States. So UCLA, USC, NYU, um, uh, a couple other UC schools, UC San Diego. Um, and I got into USC and at their BFA program, which had 12 people in it. And, uh, so I said, well, I guess I, yeah, I, it was my first choice as far as schools went. And then the fact that I was in the theater program, I, oh, oh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll give this a whirl. And it was really at school that I found the why of, of acting for me, sort of the, the bigger picture of um, how I could use acting to contribute to the world. I think that's a, a big, important thing for a human being is to make the world a better place. Um, for the soul to, to, to be better. And um, uh, I found that at USC. And then I also knew that if I graduated without an agent or a manager or whatever, I, I might be a little behind. And so I started that search for a manager or an agent really early on. And I was in Los Angeles. So I landed a manager by my, the end of my sophomore year. So I started auditioning. And my, by my junior and senior year, I had started working a little bit, not a lot. And then by the time I graduated, I was already sort of off to the races. And I was really lucky that USC kind of let me, I had my grades suffered a little bit, but I don't think anybody cares that I got a B minus in acting. Um, uh, and so for me, it, it was the fun of acting and getting to sing and um, the fact that people liked it and I liked it, liked what I thought I was good, you know, so that sort of reinforcement of what I was doing. And then, um, I would say what really made me fall in love with acting was really when I realized I can live the human experience and hopefully teach someone through that story, um, a way to exist more positively in their own life. Cool. Man, thanks, James. This has been so good. Above and on my Zoom expectations. <laughs> I hope you're finding joy over there. Um, it seems like being a husband and dad brings you great joy. So I hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy. Um, you, you yeah. Too, man. Me too. Any, any last shouts out to any of the listeners out there you want to you wanna give? Well, yeah, I, you know, anybody who's a Harry Potter fan uh, and who sees the show or who I know, which I see like Kim, um, uh, I'll, we'll be back when it's safe to be back. And I'm really excited for that to be. And I'm very fortunate that, that that'll be. And then, of course, to the first responders and the people on the front lines, um, thank you so much for making that sacrifice and we are doing what we can uh, by staying at home and, and, you know, 
supporting where we can also. So just a big thank you. And I will see everyone when I can. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks, James. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Built for the Stage podcast. That's another great episode. Once again, with James Snyder, BFTS fam, who plays Harry Potter and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. You can find him on Instagram at the James Snyder. Uh, make sure you see some of his TikTok uh, material on there as well. It makes me smile. It makes me laugh. Um, we're all about having a good time here at BFTS. Make sure you go to the website, BillForTheStage.com. If you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram at BillForTheStage. And until next time, it's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.